0: I am Rob Muldoon, and you're listening to the latest episode of the Mind Your Head podcast. So, what have you been up to this week, Tom?
1: No pressure. <laughs> um, not a lot, really. It's, it's been a busy day at work. I, I work in sort of legal services for like a housing register provider for social housing. And um, obviously we're in lockdown now. Yep. So that's had quite a lot of last minute impacts, which have been great and not at all stressful yeah. to sort out. Um have you been? What have you been up to?
0: Um, I have be I had a big concrete pour on Monday, which I've got that sorted and...
1: Is that what they're calling it nowadays. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and then I, from Wednesday till today, I've been doing a uh, mental health uh, trainer, train the trainer. So, okay. So I can provide mental health tra- first aid training in, in the business.
1: That's really interesting because I think it was... When you first came to me to talk about the podcast, wasn't it mental health first aid training that sort of kicked this off a little bit for you and just gave it a bit of a, yeah, was, a bit yeah. Of
0: shape? Yeah, yeah it um, gave me the knowledge to 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 expand on that I wanted to go down this route with my career or, or focus my attention more on, on things like this.
1: What was it about the course, the first one you did, not this one, that really grabbed you?
0: I think Matt, the instructor, um, he was a scaffolder. Well, mm-hmm. he's an ex-squad. went into scaffolding. He was going to attempt suicide, but his manager recognised the signs that there was something wrong. He's mm-hmm. not not turning up for work and things like that, not looking after himself, and being more narky than usual. And he went round and basically rescued him. Mm-hmm. In he went and knocked on his door. Matt Matt said that he was ready to go and and kill himself. Had a plan. Had so a to plan. Speak. End his life. Had an end of mm-hmm. life plan. And it was the, the day had come for that. To, um, to for him to execute that, and his boss got there first and brought him round and saved his life. And, That's incredible. And turned his life around. And now he goes around the country um, delivering these two day workshops. I, th- he, I think he does other stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I just had a two day workshop with him. And that sparked a spark inside mm-hmm. me to see if I can portray that message across to people and help them out.
1: It's, it's a really interesting link because I think with mental health and the trades and the forces, and the reason I say that is because when I worked at my old place, again, another registered provider in, in uh, Greater Manchester, we had an initiative which was quite patronisingly called a uh, social enterprise within yeah. the trust. And it was to get ex-offenders and squaddies um, a trade. So yeah. they could make something, have a bit of yeah, yeah. Than um, that. direction in their life, a bit of um, routine and guidance and all that sort of stuff, training, skills, blah, 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 blah. And that's pretty scary. And the reason I say that is, what is it about going off to fight and, and represent your country, being in prison and actively choosing to do a trade that kind of leaves you all in the same space at some point. All of those pressures put pressure on your mental health, they put pressure on your self-confidence, this, that yeah. and the other. So you've got a squadie who feels left behind when they come home and they're really yeah. just into civilian life. Ditto for someone who's been inside. But then they've got someone like yourself who's made a trade for themselves. Just wondering your thoughts on that, because there's a bit of a link there and it's come up a couple of times in the past. and I've always just found it a little bit odd.
0: I think the military guys can bring a lot over from their experience in the military. So the working as a team, the physical side of things, because like bricklaying, everything to do with Brit Lane is heavy, hard work, yeah. and you're out in all weathers, and you need to be organised as well. So they can use their organisational skills, um, and they can then bring that into the the workforce and ha- they make good leaders mm-hmm. they make good managers i think they have to, they have to tone down a lot from yep. it's not like they're talking to screaming in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. so they, they have to change their attitudes to that but they adapt well they adapt to a situation mm. because that is their training they get thrown in the middle of a desert or they could be thrown in in the middle of the arctic and they have to adapt to that sit surrounding situation um i think the one with the offenders ex-offenders I think the thing with the construction industry, whether it is bricklaying or whether you are doing joinery or plastering or whatever it might be, you don't need a massive educational background. So you you can come over at a later age mm-hmm. and retrain, redo as a, a, an apprenticeship as an, as an older adult. And if it clicks with you and you can make it work, then you, you can turn yourself around quite quickly with it i think within two years Uh you can be a fully qualified Uh bricklayer or you can go on to do advanced bricklaying and and hnc and everything else that you want to do after that i think for me you get a lot of gratification so you can physically see Uh what you've built or you can physically see your journey from starting on site sweeping up or whatever it might be to then building big panels of brickwork or working on big profile jobs that we work on so I think that, that I think that's a,
1: I imagine there's a lot of pride and ownership in your work. And there is, yeah, yeah. if you've been taken into a system, you've had that knocked out of yeah, you yeah. and you were probably in that system in the first place because you felt worthless and you didn't have anything to offer and all the rest of it, that's how the slippery slope very often starts. It can be really valuable to actually rehabilitate, which we're not always great at, and say, No, you are entitled to a fresh start, and you are entitled yeah. to have a bit of pride and ownership in your work and yeah. look at what you've made. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what: when I was fifteen, so probably not particularly legal to work, I um, tiled a bathroom, kitchen, and wet play area in a like a preschool nursery thing yeah. in Altrincham. I never shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, and yeah. that is like the the most minor job. But I have such a sense of pride every time I drive past that little... It's only like a... Uh, it looks like a little prefab thing that's being torn down next week. Yeah. Uh, but every time I drive past, I'm like, there's... I was going to say kids playing in my kitchen. That sounds a bit weird. <laughs> but there's kids who are benefiting from the space I I, I created. And if I'm honest... That is bullshit. I'm not I'm not I've not created an amazing space for them to do something, but I can absolutely understand, given how much I milk it every time I drive past it, yeah, how yeah. much pride and ownership it must take for someone who's never had that opportunity before and never had that that yeah. chance to actually sit and stand back and go Oh, actually Just
0: feeling proud of what you've done.
1: Yeah. I made that with my own hands. And I guess the the squaddies example is a is a is a good one as well because very often, because they are in such high-pressure environments where they're being barked at or there's shells going off or there's just a lot of high stress and temper with what they're doing, I imagine they're so focused on getting the job done that very often they probably don't sit down, apart from debriefing after missions and stuff, to actually reflect on, what do we do well here today? I yeah. can't imagine there's much yeah. of a come by our sing song <laughs> after, a, after a mission going, right, okay, guys, now what... What, what did we learn from the insurgents? <laughs> yeah. What did we take yeah, away yeah. from that experience? Um, so yeah, I can see from what you've just said how all of those things line up. I guess my next question then is, why are problems with mental health so prevalent in each of those sections of people? So you've got X amount of lads on a site. Some might have come from being college leavers or school leavers. Some have come from ex-forces some have come from ex-offenders some might have come from just deciding to change their lot in life or they got made redundant or, or whatever it happens to be what do you think it is about those other factors that contribute to mental health outside of just the day-to-day stress of, of work on a site
0: i think there's always high pressure with within the industry of targets and figures and we've got to get it done got to get it done but there's a lot of people that come into the industry that have had maybe Trouble backgrounds, so they didn't always do well at school, and they never did poor attendance at school and things like that. Because going back again, you don't particularly need loads of qualifications to to do bricklaying mm-hmm. and, and, and things school's like. School's objectively uh, boring. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> for me, I, school didn't work for me. It really didn't work for me. I think the education curriculum needs to change. We're not Victorians anymore. We're in a different lifestyle.
1: I think education generally needs to change. Funnily enough, it's it's one of those changes in. Career I'm considering, and I think a lot of that comes from the old. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it, it will forever consider itself a failure. Yeah, and I think that's where education needs to change. It's it's changing bits of curriculum and tinkering around the edges won't won't do the job because you can introduce resistant materials and food tech and and electronics and all that sort of stuff and i used to love when i got the opportunity to be hands-on with materials when i was younger but what the problem for me was is you're you're not talking about life you're not talking yeah. about actual experiences you're not keying into what that actual child needs to challenge it and, and do yeah. what it needs to do and and all the rest of it i think
0: everybody has strengths and you need to bring them strength out in people absolutely some, some people they might they might totally get their the difficult math situation uh, questions that that get asked at school and things like that, but for me it didn't work. Whereas I got really good grades in practical stuff, so metal work and woodwork and things like that. I got terrible stuff in English and, mm-hmm. and maths, and even though I do maths all day long at mm-hmm. work, but it's it's maths that it's I a different vi- kind of yeah, maths. I can physically see it. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing Brit Lane twenty years now, and everything's in repetitives. So it's seventy five, two twenty, 220, um, the 440 type of things and I still get mixed up with stuff all the time yeah yeah I do yeah like square meterage and stuff mm-hmm. like that and if if I'm figuring something out I have to do it three or four times or if I figure a different way out of doing it that's quicker I never trust it and I always revert back mm-hmm. to the way that I know, know it will work so
1: it's weird you say that because we were planning some work on our kitchen and I I'm really strong in like long extended pieces of writing yeah I'm good with tech like this and, and, and sorting out sound and that kind of thing I'm also crap at math. So we sort of sit in the same place on that Venn diagram. We've just got different skills either side of that because I was going through exactly the same, trying to work out square meterage. And we got a quote for a concrete pour to sort of level out. It's like a kitchen hall in a little room sort of to the end of it. And for some reason, I ended up with something like an 800 square metre space <laughs> went out to get a letter of quotes so I'm like why is this going to cost me like several thousand pounds for what are three pretty small rooms Yeah, um, and it was my, my wifey who sort of turned around and she was like I think I think you might have got those, <laughs> might have got those sums wrong a little bit and I'm like no I'm, I'm pretty sure this is it and I'd like times it rather than plus it or whatever it happened to be Yeah, um, but yeah I totally get that
0: so like Monday I had that concrete pour and I must have cubed it up seven times and I paid for an extra Two metres of concrete, which I didn't need. I, I prepaid for it, and they had it on a ready-mix wagon, so mm-hmm. you only pay for what you use. They sent out a tub wagon, which is a traditional, what you think a, a mm-hmm. cement wagon looks like, a concrete wagon looks like. And I cubed it up. I think I originally cubed it up at 11 metres, and I thought, no, I've made it a bit bigger, and it's a bit deeper over there, blah, blah, blah. And I came out at 12 and a half metres. actually used 12.9 cubic metres, so I, I, I was I was not too far mm-hmm. out. But I panicked and ordered an extra two metres, which they refunded me for and they mm-hmm. took it away. Which, But the guys at the concrete place were obviously used to it and they helped me out and said, look, we'll send it down at like this mm-hmm. ready-to-use wagon so if you don't need it, we can send it back.
1: I'll tell you, I, I know this isn't a massive mental health thing, but obviously there is there is something there. So there's an anxiety around. Yeah, so
0: that's, that's the point I was trying to get have to. Have I got something wrong It's then. the anxiety. Yeah. I uh, Maybe don't suffer with anxiety, but I have massive problems with self-confidence. I never trust myself. Mm. I never trust my judgement. Um, I, I could be doing the simplest bricklaying task and I, I doubt myself.
1: Don't you think this is the problem with mental health generally, though? Mental health is really unique. So there can be certain things that obviously cannot be helped by having a bit of a breathe, taking a moment and doing some yoga. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're talking about psychosis that needs to be medicated, something that is, is, is fundamentally chemically... Um, in need of alteration, that is a totally different kettle of fish. But part of modern society now is we've gone from the extreme of totally ignoring mental health to all feeling like we're we're armchair psychologists. So how many times do you hear someone saying, oh, I think he's on the spectrum, or, oh, I've got a mate, he's a bit OCD. Everyone's dead keen to jump in and have an opinion. So it's dead interesting because I think I, I probably share a lot of that kind of self-doubt, self-confidence thing with you. There are certain individual things I'll be anxious about, like my wife's health, for instance. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily have anxiety. Yeah. But this is part of the problem. We're so fixated on labels that it's it's dead easy to get into the trap of feeling like... And this is kind of where the stigma comes from. You've got to sort of justify, oh, no, I'm not I'm not anxious. I'm not depressed. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other. I think it's all right to be anxious or depressed in certain situations yeah. or at certain times or for a certain period in your life or in certain scenarios where you find yourself going, oh God, no, I'm doubting myself that let's just do this to back myself a little bit, to give me a bit of a comfort blanket yeah, I th- I think or a you, bit of tolerance. I think
0: you need a bit of stress and anxiety in your life to focus you a bit, I think. If, because if, it, if you didn't have that, you'd be laid down and don't care and... Floating through life. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has that. And I think every society makes us think a lot of this. Oh, I need to get married and I need to have two kids and I need to have a mortgage and I need to have a flash car and mm-hmm. all that that sort of thing. And really, you don't.
1: It's almost part of the problem. Yeah, is, um, yeah. And we go back to the, the approach to education. Yeah, I, I cannot tell you the amount of friends I've got who've had kids. And it's, it's not fixed their relationship. It's not it's not added anything to them. It's just added the stress of a kid. Yeah. And they've come back to me and they've gone, oh, things are things are really hard now because we've got a little sprog running around. And you go, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you not think oh, about yeah. that Did before? <laughs> or they'll, I've had a, a, another set of friends who moved away for a bit and they went, oh, you know what? I found out while I went away to this far-flung country. I said, what? He said, your problems don't go away. They just move with you. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah they, yeah, they probably will. Or, or marriages that have fallen apart, especially in lockdown, with the extra pressure that's that's been put on that, where, again, people haven't really spoken about it. They've not really considered why they got married in the first place. And then they are coming to me and going, oh, Tom, yeah, we, we've split up. We decided to do this, that, and the other. And you go, mm, writing was probably on the yeah. wall then. Mm. And that's not a judgment thing. That's not a I know better or, or did you not think X, Y, or Z. We've got so much pressure... A lot of it that we place on ourselves to, you're dead right, play up to a part. Yeah. Get the house, get the kids, get the marriage, get the car, get the job, get the holidays, whatever it happens to be.
0: And now with social media being so prevalent in everybody's life, it's ruining people's lives. 100%. And what what you see on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, is it's not a real reality. No. It's only what people want you to see. I think the worst one for it, LinkedIn. It's mm-hmm. just full of humble brags mm-hmm. I'm on LinkedIn and I might only have about 25 people on there and these people that I've worked with I get constant people sending me requests to be my friend or whatever they call it on there and I'm like I have absolutely no connection with you I've never met you in my life I don't know who you are you work usually for a recruitment agency mm-hmm. or whatever I'm not interested. And then, then I'll be scrolling down through it. I very, very rarely go on it. I'll be scrolling down through it and it's just people saying, oh, we've done this for this, this and this. Well, that's great, but you're only doing it to self-promote.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. It's really funny because I've got a total opposite approach to LinkedIn, Yeah. but for the same reason. Yeah. So I log on to LinkedIn and it'll be here's Carl Davis and here's Sam Williams and here's Jane Foster and here's blah, 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 blah. And I'll just add them all. I don't know a single person. So yeah. you've probably got about 25 contacts on LinkedIn. Guaranteed, I've got probably a yeah. thousand. I probably know about 25 of them. <laughs> yeah. But I do. I add everyone because I kind of play the game just to see how it works out. So I don't talk to them or consider their options or something, but the amount, in fact.
0: LinkedIn ruler.
1: I'm going to it is kind of like LinkedIn roulette. I'm going to I'm going to open up my LinkedIn now and just go through like a little sort of selection of the random messages I get because it is properly like
0: if you send me a request I'll ignore it.
1: 100%. Um so someone who really wants to talk to me about my um, fire needs whatever yeah. that means um, someone who wants to talk to me about risk management solutions. And it is is—it is just people trying to fire out that classic recruitment scattergun to go, what can I get you on the hook for? And I love doing it just because, yes, yeah, let's see what comes out of it because I do exactly the same. I scroll through LinkedIn and I just think, great, you've got a new job. Fantastic. Yeah, you're on yeah. more money. Yeah. Great, you're doing this project. Amazing you've developed that many homes. But it is all just shameless self-promotion fair play to you if that's the channel you want to do it on it's just not for me yeah so i sort of engage with it but i do it as a bit of a piss take just to sort of see what comes out in the wash because i just imagine this sounds horrible this makes me sound like a sociopath but i imagine the person sat on the other side of the computer screen going dave we've got one on the hook this guy tom he's just (laughs) he's just added me on linkedin i reckon this is a i reckon this is a lead um, I should probably play with it a, bit, a little bit more. I should probably reply and go, "Yeah, Dave, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interested I'm well up in, for you. it, yeah. in your ground source heat pumps. Do you yeah. want to talk a little bit more over coffee? See what I can get out of the bargain."
0: It's at the first lockdown we had. There was um, people going on saying that they were going out delivering food and everything. It's great. It's really good. But ultimately, they were just doing it as a self promotion for the for the business. If they're doing it. Just do it. You yeah. don't have to tell everybody about it. Yeah. If somebody else is talking about it that you've gone out and that's great. I think that's where it works for me, saying that, look at these guys who work in our community, they're a really good local business, make, keep everything local. And I think that that works like that for me. But when somebody's um, putting a shameless picture on with an old woman that they've taken some shopping around for, or when they're a double glazing outfit or whatever it might be, then, or your brother? Yeah, or my <laughs> brother. Yeah, what are you doing on there? <laughs> Does Jen know you're out? With? But um, it's—I don't know—it it's, it frustrates me. I think more yeah. than anything, we could do—we could do a section on this called "Unpopular Opinions."
1: I don't know how unpopular it'd be, though. I think there's a lot that social media has given us. There's also a lot that social media has to answer for. Yeah. The reason I say that is, um, so my wife, she's a copywriter for a, a fashion retailer. She did a lot on Instagram when it was very first, I think. So just a lot of just pictures she took and um, she does like fine art calligraphy and illustrations and yeah. stuff like that. So she put up pictures of that. Dead nice, but it was just her way of sharing her portfolio doing what she does, which is which was great. As a result of that, she slowly started to cultivate this massive following. She got something like 70 odd thousand followers on wow. Instagram, which is Amazing, And the only reason I say that's amazing, it's not the fact that she's an Instagram famous person or was at that point. It's the fact that I go down to Cardiff to watch international rugby all the time. Yeah. And I sat in the Millennium Stadium and I was just like, that's more people than are in here today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not hard with the Welsh crowd, but... um, I'd, I'd sit around Did you watch and I'd go. Six Nations. <laughs> oh Lest we talk about it, the better this year. I'm taking the Donald Trump approach to uh, the Welsh Six Nations campaign. I'm an- ending every match after about half an hour. We'll count the We'll count the score then. Yeah. Wales swept it. Grand Slam. I'm dead happy. Um, no, I'm not going out of office. Anyway, um, yeah. So I'd sit there and I'd just go. This is incredible. This is so many people. Um, And they're all people that follow you. And lo and behold, Instagram changed their algorithms and they sort of played around at the edges and stuff like that. And she just slowly started losing more and more followers because her content stopped getting put to the top top of people's feeds and pages because it was based on this weird notion of whoever you engage with on whatever. I I don't know the the ins and outs of it, but she started sliding down, sliding down. I think she's about 40-odd thousand now, which is still a massive amount. But she massively self-doubts herself because of that drop. Yeah. Now, there's a lot to be said around, well, the, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Mm. Um, and there's also a lot to be said for the fact that if that is something that can be created just through a change in an algorithm, then it isn't a genuine connection. And this is where I think social media has something to answer for. Your social media isn't necessarily there to cultivate genuine stories, genuine sharing and genuine connections anymore because when you are just putting out genuine content, you're penalised because it's not an ad and you're not driving engagement and you're not doing this, that and the other. That's not how we interact as people. No. It's not how we do anything else. In fact, it's a little bit weird to approach life that way, I think.
0: Is it going to get to a point in... 20 years time that people are not going to do face-to-face anymore and it is all going to be through zoom and through facebook and instagram and whatever else i don't know
1: potentially potentially I've, I've got to say i'm not here for it in a lot of ways um i've i've, I've had my fair share of zoom meetings over the last six months and i think i've done yeah <laughs> i think i've i think i've been there done that and completed it mate yeah, yeah absolutely um i think however it's also ground me down a little bit yeah because I used to be um, in my deep, dark past, straight out of uni, I used to be a recruiter, an no. IT recruiter. And I was making phone calls every day, like hundreds of phone calls a day. Had no problem talking to people. I've no problem talking to you now. I've no problem talking to people face to face. Not an issue. Yeah. Every day of the week, I would rather text you than phone you at the moment. I think because A, that broke me, just making unsolicited calls to people. Yeah. And B, being in a new reality now where we communicate via email and via text and via Facebook walls and Instagram and, yeah. and WhatsApp all the time just makes it a load easier to switch on and off from. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for a digital detox. I'm, I'm, I'm very envious of you in a lot of ways being able to do practical work yeah. because I just don't get to switch off from the digital day to day. And that is a lot.
0: Yeah. Like on this course that I'm on now. So the the trainers are great. Really, really good. Everybody who's on it is really good. Everybody's really engaging. But I struggled with the fact that I'm sat at a screen for eight a bit hours a day and I haven't got that physical contact with people. And I think that's people are going to start struggling with that through lockdown as well. Again, I think especially with the darker nights coming in. Yeah rubbish weather and people aren't going to be able to get out and socialise as such
1: even when they did they're not going to enjoy it in the same way that they did in a crack the flag sunshine yeah, lockdown yeah. that we had in March
0: I think work as well we're lucky on that because we can use the time that we have at work to interact with other people so in the construction industry we're not really going to shut down there's measures in place mm-hmm. uh, in the canteen and, and work areas and things like that everybody's got to be social distance and uh, my hands have never been so clean in my life forever washing my hands and, mm-hmm. and sanitising and things like that. Comes other things with dermatitis from using the hand sanitizer all the time. But we're pretty fortunate in that aspect that we can come to work every day and interact with people and carry on as normal but there's still the flip side of it that uh, as an industry we, we're always we'll be working away on one job one particular contract and we're always thinking right where's the next job coming from? We might have 12 months work yeah, but everybody's thinking oh, I've only got guaranteed work for a year or three months or whatever it might be so there's, there's that stress that's always there and can add to your anxiety and pressure that you put on yourself and on a, on a daily weekly monthly basis and with the lockdown now people are going to start worrying are ah, they going to start spending the money on doing mm-hmm. these big projects where people a lot of people come together Are we going to have to change the way we build buildings and things like that and spaces are uh, uh, public spaces and communal spaces and things like that and there's that that pressure that is now going to start coming into people, and people are going to start worrying about coming up to Christmas. Is is my job safe? Mm-hmm. Have I got employment next year? What what's going to happen next year? You know, we, we never know what's going to happen next year, anyway. But I think this COVID situation and this lockdown situation is is adding to that stress.
1: It's really interesting because one of the things I wanted to ask you today is, uh, and it's it's really interesting to use the example of the the mental health first aid train, the trainer course you're on at the moment, as as being a a mind-numbing eight and a half hours. Not for the content of the course, but for the sitting down at a screen and just being plugged into the wall for for that period of time because that is my day-to-day and has been for the last six months. In fact, if I'm really honest, it's been more often than not being plugged into a screen for... Up to 12 hours yeah, because there's not a great deal else to do so yeah. you just carry on and you oh, I'll just finish off this report now whereas previously I would have left the office at five because I had to get in the car to beat traffic to get home yeah, or, yeah. or whatever and ditto in the morning I'd be in the office doing the work I needed to do in the office so there isn't that break anymore however it shows that that, that lockdown is affecting us all in different ways and I did want to ask you about how lockdown is hitting the construction industry in your opinion because de- yeah there are different pressures.
0: I think we're alright this year because a lot of the stuff that we do it's it's contracts we priced 6, 8, 10 months a yeah. year ago whenever it might be but I think the problem might start next year maybe when contracts are slowing down or they're not coming in to be priced yeah. and or people are starting to cut slash the prices and things like that and that obviously have a knock-on effect of the guys on the front line with the money going down and but everybody's cost of living still keeps going mm. up.
1: absolutely absolutely i think the only bit of respite we got in the last year was when when fuel went through the floor and yeah it was the first time i'd it. spent less than a quid a litre since probably i learned how to drive to be yeah. honest it, it's weird because the question i wanted to ask you about Lockdown in construction, I assumed, was going to be more geared around the risk of being on site and around other people and handling materials that other people are handling and and making sure you're keeping on top of those protocols. But it sounds like that side of things, you've, you've pretty much got sussed in terms of making your operatives as safe as they can be.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of the time now, there's almost a rotor system for the canteen. Um, there's, I mean we have to wear gloves and glasses on, on a lot of jobs anyway as part of the PPE well definitely gloves as part of the PPE
1: because you're working for a big Michael Jackson fan
0: yeah exactly Yeah, <laughs> he makes us wear them all the time <laughs> and uh, sparkly ha- um, steel toe cap boots as well
1: well bring out your eyes
0: as long as you've got white socks on <laughs> <laughs> But I it, think
1: if you went onto a site in White Sox as a slight diversion, you would rightly probably get you either your head kicked in or at least a good ribbon for most uh, of the he, day.
0: Yeah, you won't be you wouldn't, absolute random as you'd be on the scaffolding working away and go, "Wait, White Sox wanker!" <laughs> Here comes Robbie White Sox. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, we're on that type of thing, and, and it's outdoors a lot of it, and you can. Other th- there's not many jobs where we're going to be in confined areas, or definitely not lane anyway
1: how do you think changes in covid affects um people on site because the only thing i would say is yes all those precautions are in place you've had your covid secure risk assessments and 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 that kind of thing but cases are going up exponentially things feel a little bit out of control at the moment and part of that comes from clarity and leadership and the message changing every so often not to get political but it's not been handled the best way it could in terms of how it's communicated and, and, and how it's put across. I think a lot of people got laxy-daisy with it as well. Yeah, and and because of that, do you think there is a mental health impact on people on site who might, even if they don't talk about it with each other, might, rightly so, be a bit worried yeah, that while everyone yeah. else is able to shelter away and work from home that they've just not got the choice?
0: Yeah, especially when, it first, when the first lockdown was announced. So I was on a job where there was probably about five six hundred guys working on there and there was uproar almost that we weren't getting shut down mm. we're still having to use public traffic uh, transport sorry to get to to and from work and
1: that's enough of an excuse in and of itself yeah, of COVID. yeah.
0: <laughs> everybody was worried because nobody understood it mm-hmm. uh, and they were all you, you could you could see the the uh you could cut the tension on side mm-hmm. of the knife and people were there was the odd occasion where you, you'd hear a ruckus kicking off but. I'm working in this room. Why are you coming in here? I was in here first. We were building a cricket pavilion at the, at the time. So we were all right. We were uh-huh. we were away from everybody. And um, a lot of my lads turned around to me and said, oh God, I'm glad we're not working in there. It's horrendous. There's, there's people everywhere. And to be fair to the main contractor, they were doing the best, but uh-huh. you, you're trying to deal with uh, uh, pressures of handing the contract over on time because it was a school, so it needed to be finished at a certain time. And then you had other people, the pressures of not being able to work in the same areas or the people and then the, the welfare facilities and, and the migrating to and from site and b- people getting to and from work. So a lot of the time you might get three or four lads coming in the work van, and then they all can't get in the work van together. So they're having to find alternate ways to get to work. And then there was an argument in the car park about parking and it, it there was just a lot of tension on site and that, that sort of faded down after maybe four weeks people Uh got into the routine of going for the brew at the right time and okay mate you're in here i'll come back in a little bit i'll go work in a different room and we'll we'll go and do this job for now and okay we can't come and do this job at the minute because of that and programs had to adjust to it as well and it almost became normal i think and i think that's what's happened it's become too normal for people and that's why figures are going up and
1: do, do you think that there are still some people who still have those fears they're just yeah, not talking yeah, up about they're not, them they're not because but, if you've been told oh well it's not a thing anymore or it's gone yeah. down or it's it's all a lot of fuss or nothing and this that and the other but like me maybe they've got someone vulnerable at home yeah. or maybe they've got a, an elderly relative who's, who's circling the drain without wanting to sound too crass that's a lot to put on someone who's, yeah, who's right. just got to put up and shut up on site yeah, but nothing's it, changed for them
0: no it's not and there's a lot of anxiety around that. So when it first get go I keep going back to when it first gets off, but that's because I, I can talk about it and, and I know what I did through that. I'd come home from work and I have to strip off some underwear mm-hmm. at the front door. It, my work wearer get washed every day and I'd go straight up to the shower and get, get washed before I even touched and interacted with my children or with my wife.
1: I imagine Lou had like you know one of those troughs there for, for foot and mouth disease, just <laughs> yeah. set up by the door. So you just sort of do a little shame strip yeah. in this little washing up bowl full of dimethyls, throw your stuff down, and then slink off upstairs. I wish it didn't burn as much. <laughs> <laughs> Can you stop buying the Aldi stuff?
0: <laughs> and then, but there's people have got to do that. Like you say, if, if they've got elderly relatives and or vulnerable people, or people that are um, ill. Mm -hmm. at home and they they don't want to go to work so then there's the pressure of the financial pressure how am I going to pay the bills Mm -hmm. okay there was a self employed scheme help scheme that was there and things like that and there's there's furlough but you're still not getting your full wage but all, all your bills are still coming in at full whack and things like that so there's the added pressure of that and there's the added pressure of Oh, if, if I do go off and, and I do say I don't I want to uh, come into work because I don't feel safe, are they going to get rid of me? Mm-hmm. Are they going to use somebody else who is going to come mm-hmm. into work and do my job for me instead of me? And they've got to balance all these pressures up. And it, it can lead to high levels of stress and anxiety and them making a rash decision and not being able to, th- making a choice between providing for their family or putting their family at risk
1: yeah and they've not got those normal support networks in place no, because no. you would be able to catch that thing a little bit earlier yeah. if you're around people in the normal day-to-day way that you used to be or people would be able to catch moods a lot more easily yeah. when they can sound daft, but little things like see your face rather than yeah. seeing you through a mask that non-verbal communication is massive and I think that's something that's missing from the workplace at the moment or certainly just missing from interaction at the moment I mean it's not Not something that's going to get solved until we have a bit more stability, clarity, comfort, whatever, whatever you want to call it around COVID. And I don't think we're certainly not going to solve that here. I guess what I'm interested in, in the particular context of construction, is how you feel it's going, where you think the trend is going. Are things getting better on site at the moment in this second lockdown? Do people feel more prepared for it? Is there any more security now that furloughs been extended. extended till March? Like, what does it look like for the industry to maybe just dampen down those fires a little bit around managing bills, managing workload, managing safety on site, and from the business point of view as well, making sure that a business can like yours can survive and support its yeah. people because there's a there's a there's a double ended stress there as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, luckily I work for a great company who have looked after us all the way through, and um, we've we've been kept busy, so mm-hmm. we've worked and even when we were quite quiet on the big sites we got sent to do maintenance in the yard or whatever that might be in our offices and we kept us all busy which i'm very thankful for and there is the added stress that there's only so many of them jobs that they can keep us going with and i mean this time around everybody's a lot more prepared mm-hmm. There's a lot more screens up and things like that. And there's a lot more, like you were saying before, about risk assessments, COVID risk assessments and things like that. And people are at a different mindset.
1: It's having that conversation. Funnily enough, on the, on the subject of mental health, it's having the conversation. Yeah, is, yeah. If things are properly communicated and you can talk through yeah. what's going on, or at least you can keep everyone up to speed, that's half the battle, is, is, yeah. is taking a bit of the oxygen away from that fire to, to just go, no, it's fine, we're doing this and we're doing it for this reason. The fact that you talk about working for a business that has been able to adapt, keep you busy as yeah. well, has parallels with mental health in the same way. Yeah, yeah. How how much better or in control or focused do you feel when you've got a project and something to focus on and take your attention and keep you busy and, and, and yeah, all the rest yeah. of it? A lot of parallels there.
0: Yeah, there is one There's a couple of guys that I know that I've worked with in the past who their site shut. So they were working on like the housing side of it because they sort of shut their doors quite yeah. quickly at the beginning of it. And they were ringing me and messaging me and saying, like, oh, I'm sat so, home, oh, I'm absolutely bored out of my mind, and what am I going to do? And they start thinking about stupid things mm-hmm. and not being able to focus on getting going out and getting a job and uh, or diversifying, go and work for one of the supermarkets as a driver or whatever, like that. And they, they got stuck in a rut, a couple of them got stuck in a real bad rut, mm-hmm. and I was helping them through. They're now all working again, and they, they came round and got some work. But they, really strong right arms as well. Yeah, <laughs> really clean screens. And stuff. <laughs> That's what they've been doing. They've been cleaning the windows and stuff. But they, they, they lost the focus mm-hmm. on what they needed to do to to get out and get the work. And work breeds work. I think. Mm-hmm. So if you're busy all the time and people can see you're busy, you, you tend to get a lot more work coming in and mm-hmm. things like that.
1: And, and on the other side of it as well, panic breeds panic. Yeah, it does, yeah. Overthinking yeah. breeds overthinking. Yeah. And and as soon as you hit that, it's like a ski slope. As soon as you hit that piece, it just doesn't really stop. No. Or the best you can do is slow it down a little yeah. bit and, and try and control it. The minute you stop being able to do that, it just runs away with you again. Yeah, it does, yeah. And, and yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, particularly when it's when it is around existential stuff. It's around yeah. where's the next paycheck coming from? Where's the next meal coming from? Yeah. How am I going to keep a roof over my head? How am I going to provide for my family? That's a lot for people to deal with when they've not been confronted with any of those kind of problems before. No. For something that's totally De- beyond Definitely their not own in control. our generation.
0: I suppose the last time they had to think about this was possibly World War Two.
1: Yeah. Especially something that's out of everyone's control and that is not something that they can sort of have an influence on And factor. they know when
0: the end of it's going to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. I don't know how I'm fixed for it, and I don't really know how I'm going to tackle it, but again, on the topic of finding tools and methods and things like that to better or maintain your mental health, I think yeah. the thing that, that is going to keep us busy for a lot of the next few months is working on the house. Obviously, you just bought a new house. So I think that's the good thing luxury.
0: with us as well at, at work, we can still switch off at 4, five, three, four mm-hmm. whatever time you... have they the lads finish work well, or you finish work whereas you can't you. that's the
1: mad thing and when you said then I've been on a two day training course and I just feel absolutely it's mind numbing because I've just sat in front of a screen and I've had to be engaged with that thing yeah. I kind of just felt a bit of a pit in my stomach and I'm like oh shit now that probably is really unhealthy and I do that every day yeah yeah in fact last week I remember getting to about probably three in the afternoon turn around to Fee and I just said do you want a coffee and, a, and I'll, I'll do us some bacon sandwiches for, for brekkie and she literally just turned around to me and what time do you think this is yeah and i've been hammering away for that long i just hadn't thought about time passing at all I looked up at the clock and it was about two three o'clock and i just think christ i've not eaten i've not been outside yeah. i've not even been downstairs i go straight from my bedroom to my office which is next door and off back bedroom and that's it and if, if you're confined to that that's like i'm not trying to minimize anyone's experience but it's like being locked up it's, yeah, it's it is, yeah. living a life in only two rooms is weird and it's not not something I've been used to doing before and okay you can make the argument that I was still working in a in an office and in an enclosed space for, for eight hours a day. But it's different when you're talking to people. You, you've got that human interaction. And that other
0: people might be going for the lunch and it might yeah. prompt you think, oh, i hang on, it's one o'clock, yeah. whatever the time is.
1: Or one of your colleagues will get up to make a brew. It, it's those little things that, that break it up that you don't necessarily get when your only other point of grounding you in the day is someone else who's doing exactly the same thing because Fee's plugged into the wall and yeah. working away as, as, as well. I hadn't really sat back to sort of think what kind of effect that's having on yeah. me until you mentioned that from a training course then but then this is what we're talking about it's yeah. so those differences in experience and reflecting on the fact that yeah it's, it's incredible that you're out and about but for me like I, like I just asked you then my big panic is oh god how do guys on site cope because they're out on the front lines and yeah. they're they're more exposed to it than we are and they're going out then going back to their families and if what if they've got worries about family and people at home and, and and stuff like that it's important to put your situation in context it's important not to compare too much because i think yeah, you draw just a, false comparisons i was
0: about to say that don't think that what your problem is only small and it doesn't matter compared to what somebody else's problem is at the end of the day it's, it's in your world it's it's your life and you you've got to you've got to deal with it Mm -hmm. it's my problem's no less of a problem than yours it's just that everybody deals with it differently I think
1: that's it I think that's a that's such a great message to give across um on the pod especially because of why we're here um because yeah there are a lot of conversations I've had as a mental health first aider at our place where You always have to check yourself for your own judgment and your own experience, but there are certain times where you'll sort of sit and you'll talk to someone and you just think, is this, is this something to worry about? But you don't have that person's experience and you constantly need to remind yourself that everyone's window on the world is different. Everyone's frame of reference is different. Everyone has different coping mechanisms. Everyone has different experiences. Some people might have been sexually abused when they were younger or someone might just have some trauma from an an accident or an experience when they were, I don't know, out and about when they were a kid or something like that. There's there's, there's tons and tons and tons of stuff that can influence your life before we even get into the difficulties of being a man or a woman or black or white or... or all of these different factors that can play into it. So I think it's it's really important to just go back to basics and say that not even necessarily walk a mile in someone else's shoes, but just consider that there are different shoes yeah, to walk in and there I are think, different experiences. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm quite a, a person, or I need to have something, I don't know, maybe physical or, or relative to understand certain things. And I, somebody said to me that, imagine there's 100 people in a cinema, you mm-hmm. all go and sit and watch the same film, you come out, there's 100 different opinions of that same film. Mm-hmm. And life can be like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think at a time that, like now, it's, it's it's really important to remind yourself of that because you need to just be mindful of other people. Yeah, see when they need help, just ask the question we said before. Yeah, ask, ask twice.
0: Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a direct question about mental health. It can just be a, "All right, what are you doing? What are you doing?
1: That's it. You're not you're not necessarily always on." You're not always there to triage and solve and crack someone's problems, but just ensuring that you can recognise when someone needs to be broken out of that particular rut or just needs a bit of a question to, to check in and make sure they're okay or just needs a bit of conversation, especially now. I think it's really important that we make sure that we're, at the very least, just keeping an eye out for each other. Yeah, just um, listen
0: and don't judge.
1: We've got to just keep going back to and reminding ourselves of the core reason we're here, which is just to start the conversation. Yeah,
0: have a conversation. Hopefully, there might be something in this that was said today that relates to somebody. You think, oh, actually, yeah, that that's me, and I'd, I'm going through that at the minute, or I, I know what you, I know what they're saying, and they can go in and just chat to somebody else about it, or go and, or they might recognise somebody that in their workplaces, not been the same and not. Not the normal Bob, Jeff, John, Eric, whatever. And it's a unique name. But yeah.
1: <laughs> parents didn't like him much. Yeah, yeah one you guy know, Bob, enough. Jeff, John, Eric. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Our guest today.
1: <laughs> I'd say, like, don't spoil it. We'll get. Bob, Jeff, John, Eric, in but, the studio later on. You
0: can't individually tell them that because they've all got their own personality. Well,
1: yeah, that'll be our <laughs> split personality disorder episode. Yeah, sorry, totally railroaded that. But yeah, I think when I first talked to you, it is exactly about that, making mental health less mental healthy. Yeah, And reminding so, me, people, that it doesn't have to be sit down, come by half, yeah. hug away your feelings. It can, ju- and, and very often is, just talking. I Just don't, talking.
0: I don't wear a badge. I don't wear a lanyard. I don't have it on my email, mental health and stuff like that. And I, I do that on purpose just to try and break down that stigma because there could be that somebody might think, well, oh, I could do the chat with Rob, but I don't want to go over and talk to Rob because he has that badge on to say he's mental health. And people might think oh, I've got something wrong with me or, mm-hmm. or, or, and that could be an off put. Some people it works that They like to see that's, that they've got that. But for me, I, I almost play it down, but do it. Sublimably I can't yeah. say
1: Well, and then you're also leaving space for your other badge, which is busted fan club yeah. top member. So then you can start a I've conversation year about <laughs> year 3000 yeah. I was <laughs>
0: COVID wasn't around then, so we've got to then <laughs> to get to get through it.
1: Not much has changed, but we live underwater. <laughs> um that's been absolutely top. Good. Um thanks for having me again.
0: Thanks for coming in. Thanks for turning up. That's fun. Thanks for peeling yourself away from that computer screen.
1: Just sitting in, in front of another one. <laughs> yeah, but it's a
0: different type of computer screen. <laughs> it's
1: got different colours and <laughs> the voices go up and down. Um, so it's a bit of a tease for um, next time we sit down with each other. Obviously, we're now in lockdown, so we're, we're having to be a bit more COVID secure. Obviously, at Cotton City Radio Studios, we're, we're doing everything that we can to keep secure and wiping down equipment and this, that and the other. And that's not just for COVID reasons. Sometimes it gets a bit wild in here.
0: I've had a lot of garlic. <laughs>
1: But what we're going to do is we're going to keep it local, we're going to keep it bubbly. And in that, that vein, we're going to invite a guest on, but we're going to make sure they're they're local and they, they sort of qualify under a bubble. It's going to bubble. be something like the League of Gentlemen, isn't it? I, t- I tell you what, I cannot wait for this one. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, for the next episode, we're hopefully going to get Rob's brother into the studio. Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Just be aware that whatever you say into up now, he's going to have the right to reply when he sits down. But that being said, go for your life. Introduce Andy. what What can the what can the listeners expect?
0: Uh, they can expect a charming, witty, full of himself, um, centre of attention type of guy. And then Andrew. And then Andrew will turn <laughs> up. <laughs> it's a shame we can't do it through Zoom, and we can just mute him <laughs> when he gets too much.
1: We'll just buy marshmallows and that'll have the same effect. <laughs> or
0: we could go back to uh, when we were a kid, a duct tape or a masking tape to completed from head to toe, so I might have to bring that out.
1: Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame we've missed uh, Halloween because that would have been a cracking yeah. show for that. <laughs> uh brilliant, okay. I'm looking forward to hopefully a bit of a, a semi serious chat about the mental health side of, of siblings and growing up together and hopefully a lot of just having a bit of a mess around. Yeah, yeah. Be a good time thanks nice one um so if you want to take us out
0: i've been rob muldoon and you've been listening to the mind your head podcast um you can get us on all the socials at the mind your head podcast and uh, i hope to see you on the next episode thanks a lot
1: take care